The Enabling Act of February 22, 1889 authorized North Dakota statehood and provided for a state constitutional convention consisting of 75 delegates to be selected from 25 districts in the state. The delegates were elected on May 14, 1889, and the Constitutional Convention opened in Bismarck on July 4, 1889. The President of the Constitutional Convention was Fred Francher, the GOP caucus nominee. The delegates to the Constitutional Convention consisted primarily of farmers and lawyers, with all but six from districts in the eastern half of the state. Twenty-three of the delegates were foreign-born none were native to Dakota Territory. Politically, 51 Republicans dominated the convention, outnumbering 19 Democrats, two Prohibitionists, two Populists, and one Independent. 23 committees were created to draft the Constitution. These included committees on printing, reporting, and publications, accounts and expenses, preamble and bill of rights, Legislative Department, Executive Department, Judicial Department, Elective Franchise, Education, Public Institutions and Buildings, Public Debt and Public Works, Militia, County and Township Organizations, Appointments and representat Representation, Revenue and Taxation, Municipal Corporations, Corporations other than Municipal, Miscellaneous Subjects, Schedule, School and Public Lands, temperance, revisions and adjustments, and impeachment and removal from office. The committees were required to prepare and submit draft sections of the Constitution for consideration by the Convention. Only a few issues were hotly debated by the Convention delegates. Women's suffrage was argued at length. The anti-suffrage forces were only partially successful in their efforts to ensure an all-male electorate. The new constitution allowed women to vote in school boards and hold seats on school boards, and allowed for vote and allowed for voters to decide full suffrage for women at a later date. Other issues, including a unicameral legislature, railroad taxation, prohibition, and location of public institutions, occupied the delegates. Controversy surrounding the location of public institutions was intense. Eventually, forces favored designation of the location of public institutions in the state constitution succeeded over delegates from the northeastern counties who supported legislative locations of public institutions. The constitution drafted by the convention was lengthy and reflected reform ideas shared by many of the delegates. The Constitution effectively limited the power of the state government and state officials and corporate and other interests on state government. The Constitution also provided for the location of 13 state colleges and institutions and included a prohibition article that was, request, that was required to be ratified separately from the Constitution. Voters in the state ratified the Constitution overwhelmingly on October 1, 1889 by a vote of 27,441 to 8,107 and narrowly approved the Prohibition Article by a vote of 18,552 to 17,398. And a state is born.
Happy birthday, North Dakota, 130 years this year. I'm Richard Jensen, and this is the North Dakota Democracy Community. Thanks for listening. Just like the river I've been running ever since He said it's been a long time coming But I know my change is gonna come That reading was compliments of the North Dakota Historical Society, Gary P., or I'm sorry, David P. Gray, uh, Guide to North Dakota State Archives, 1985. So my name is Richard Jensen, and you are listening to the North Dakota Democracy Community. Thanks for listening. As I reflect on uh, my conversation with Tracy, you know, in the, the... for me, the, the excitement of understanding and learning uh, the initiative process in North Dakota and our direct, direct uh, democracy process um, has just been an incredible journey. Um, you know, I wondered what that first constitutional convention must have looked like. You know, uh, when I was at the, the Capitol in February, of course, it's this very beautiful erect building. Um, Art Deco on the inside, very clean, lots of operating bathrooms, you know, flush toilets and and that kind of thing. And I, I, I 130 years ago, boy, we've come a long way um, so far that, you know, I've been sitting in and as I do my research and, and, and actually watching uh, the Senate debate um, over um, measures that have been put forward for constitutional amendment by the legislature. I went back and looked at some pictures, and I thought it was really interesting how there was a parade uh, in 1889, and there were military, like U.S. military troops, Republic troops there marching in the parade, and and um, there was a large delegation of indigenous peoples from Standing Rock uh, with a banner that said, the March of Civilization, and and my understanding from the, the reading that I've done is there was this sentiment that the you know time was marching on, that things were changing, and, and they were obviously not going to have a voice in it. Um, so that it, it was more of a protest, I think, really, when I look at it. Very interesting um, when we consider who was there and who were debating these, um, these issues. Uh, of our constitution um, and putting things in place, um, looking ahead to 2020 and what what's going to be happening and looking back over uh, 2019 and how I had opportunity to engage the system or in, in, engage the process um, or started to not even kind of knowing what was really happening and learning even more as I went along. North Dakota is just incredible in that um, we are an incredible direct democracy state. Uh, we, we are probably one of the leaders still in the nation uh, for citizen power uh, in our Constitution. Um, in Article 3 of our Constitution reads, or, or Section 1, rather, rather, of Article 3 reads, 
While the legislative power of the state shall be vested in a legislative assembly consisting of a Senate and a House of Representatives, the people reserve the power to propose and enact laws by the initiative, including the call for a, con a constitutional convention to approve or reject legislative acts or parts, therefore, by the referendum, to propose and adopt constitutional amendments by the initiative, and to recall certain elected officials. This article is self-executing, and all of its provisions are mandatory. Laws may be enacted to facilitate and safeguard, but not to hamper, restrict, or impair these powers. And the Legislative Assembly, um, the 66th Legislative Assembly, has done just that. They have put forth, which will be on the ballot in November, uh, Senate Concurring Resolution 4001, which really looks to provide legislative approval or a double election uh, for initiated citizen-initiated amendments to the Constitution. And this, this, was, this was initiated and, and uh, put forth uh, and sponsored um, in part by Senator Hogue of District 38. And, um, you know, I, I actually, it's kind of weird when I'm looking back at the, at the videos and looking back at the calendar when it was introduced. It was introduced on the 3rd, and I was pretty responsive. I had reached out to him on the 3rd um, in an email. And I, I, you know, this time last year, I was wondering and pondering how I was going to engage, excuse me, the legislative process in regard to now Article 14, Measure 1, because I, I wanted to continue that. Um, being a part of that movement, my first citizen-led initiative was just incredibly powerful for me, I, I guess. Um, and when you look at it in, in retrospect to our state, it's just fascinating. We have led the way in citizen-led checks and balances on our on our our, our 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 government here in North Dakota. So just to kind of put it in perspective historically, um, a total of 71 measures appeared on the statewide ballot in North Dakota from 1996 to 2018. Um, from 1996 to, through 2018, the state legislator refu referred 35 of those. So, you know, 50%, holy um, were, have been referred by the legislature. Um, not all of them are constitutional amendments, of course. Uh, I think it's per average is like six per year amendments and on average one, or per election rather, and then on average was like one was an am amendment. So I had wrote to, written rather, to Senator Hogue uh, and the other two gentlemen uh, in District 38 and uh, I basically asked, you know, um, after reading uh, the reenactment um, proposal for Article 3, Section 9, um, because basically uh, in the beginning there was a, a hard, heavy legislative hand in the process. Uh, um, there was, it really, really wasn't any um, initiative process on the people's part uh, in the original Constitution. But in 1914, the people changed that. And then in 1918, the people actually took the legislature out of the process, out of the initiated, uh, initiated measure process, initiated measure and veto referendum. And that's the one I'm really interested in getting to know more. So this was my response from Senator Hogue um, in regard to my question 
basically I asked him, I believe my question went something to the effect of, you know, would you vote the same if there were not a super majority of a party that you belong to in the state? But then I'd come to understand that this is something that he's been working on for a while. Uh, this, is, this is a core constitutional belief uh, for, for a senator. So at, the, at, at that time, I'll, I'll go with uh, his response first, and then we'll turn to the actual <clears throat> committee and Senate um, hearing in review of uh, 4001, which would be to amend and reenact Section 9 of Article 3 of the Constitution of North Dakota. Or, in other words, double elections or legislative approval, right? Because um, that's basically what... what this, this uh, resolution is looking for, this amendment is looking for. So, his response. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jensen. I have introduced a resolution uh, to return the way we amended our state constitution to the way our founders originally approved constitutional amendments. They drew a distinction between initiated measures that make new law or amend the state statute or amend state statute and initiated measures that amend the Constitution. For the latter, constitutional amendments had to be approved by the people and by two consecutive legislative se sessions. So that would take like four years to get approved, I guess. Um, our state constitution contains our core values and the founders thought the bar for amending it should be um, different than passing a statutory law. All right, and then this is, I, I was composing a response to him, and these were some of my questions that upon reading that. When did this change? Well, I kind of figured that out already in 19, 1914 and 1918. And then there was also a constitutional convention in the mid or early 70s um, uh, in North Dakota that kind of you know changed things up and took some things out too, but only strengthened the power of the people. Who and under what circumstances uh, were any changes made? Um, I don't know that. I really couldn't understand what that is. Um, I think the biggest is just being able to respond to the action or inaction of the legislature you know, pretty quickly. I think that was the, the, the intent. Uh, David Hogue goes on to say, I appreciate your interest in having an honest discussion about what is best for the people of North Dakota. For me, I think important that every time we amend our Constitution, we have robust debate, hearings, and opportunity to amend the proposal. With our last three constitutional amendments, the actual language of the constitutional amendment originated in a lawyer's office in Washington, D.C. or California. The language is reviewed by a few of the 25 measured sponsors, and then it goes on the, to the Secretary of State site, uh, while the signatures are while the signatures are gathered, no public hearing, no debate, no chance to amend or modify. I think this process is flawed, and I concur uh, with our founders who decided that the process of amending our Constitution should be deliberate and occur over over uh, consensus of the people and their elected elected representatives. All right, so that was his response. And my questions were, 
at that point, and I, I didn't send him these questions ever. As a matter of fact, I told him in hearing, uh, in a Senate hearing, committee hearing, or uh, uh, an Article 14 legislative hearing where they were building the legislation for the Ethics Commission and such, um, that I was in the process of <laughs> composing a response. I guess this is my response <laughs> as the kickoff of this podcast, because um, this this to me is just central to all other things um, in many ways. Um, do you or other legislators seek out-of-state uh, consult and collaboration or best models for writing legislation? Uh, there exists in this republic national associations of governors, attorney generals, mayors, county commissioners, etc., at all levels of government, I find it difficult to believe that there are no transfer of ideas and suggested legislation uh, ordinance um, coming out uh, of these professional uh, cohort, collabora cohort collaborations. So and I, I guess when I think about that a little bit more, I do does come to mind that you know, more and more there are uh, you know, Alec uh, is, you know, led, provides legislative models for Certain, I, you know, I don't want to get into party a lot. I don't want to make this about party because this is really about the power of the people. Um, to be a check and balance on party uh, as, as well, um, that, that's the other side of this. I find it interesting that the Senate concurring uh, resolution 4001 came out of committee with a do not pass recommendation of seven to zero. And then it did pass in the Senate with 31 to 16, 31 yay to 16 nays. So um, their deliberation and their deliberation, a number of people, uh, you know, obviously changed um, or kind of, you know, were swayed towards that way if they were had questions. One of the things I thought was really, really interesting is Senator Hogue First off, I, first off, I have to say, kind of um, one thing that's um, really interesting about the Article Four, the legislative branch of our Constitution, Section Fifteen: Men Members of the Legislative Assembly may not be questioned if in any other place uh, for words used in any speech or debate in legislative proceedings. But on the other hand. I'm hoping to further engage the legislators on this question and on this topic because it is so important. And we're going to be coming into the 2020 um, campaign season, and it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. You know, I, he made reference to uh, you know the money that these initiatives. This was a loophole in the debate uh, in the Senate, and that um, the last three initiatives that somebody can just call somebody in North Dakota and you know, put a million dollars, well, I don't think anybody has put a million dollars behind it. From my understanding, in 2018, in Measure 1, you know, well, and he confers that 85% of that is from out-of-state monies. Um, you know, I contributed to that campaign myself, so I, that that's in-state dollars, certainly. But I find it interesting that that argument is being made when, when the arguments... For however, the legislate the legislature would build around Article Fourteen, Measure One, the anti-corruption amendment, and the Ethics Commission. You know, there was so much. The lobbying had to do with the true source of funds, the true source of funds, the true source of funds. It's like wow, 
And also during that election, and, and we're probably going to maybe have a podcast on that um, in regard to that, that, that campaign, rather, not election, but that campaign for Measure 1, the, the anti-corruption amendment, um, there was so much money put against that. I mean, my understanding is that the chamber basically, you know, and, and this is kind of the hearsay. Or this is a lot of hearsay. I wish I could figure out a way to fact check it. But the chamber was pretty much given a blank check by the North Dakota Petroleum Council to, you know, full bore against Measure 1. And, you know, I remember some of the, the ads and stuff like that were very confusing. Uh, they were actually legislators, you know, uh, people who were not up for election, but there were individuals um, that that were speaking out publicly in radio ads and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, they can't be questioned, I guess, for what they say in the legislative debate and deliberation uh, session, but certainly outside of that. Um, it's been storming today, and, and uh, I, I've been having this internal dialogue and debate on what it would look like to run for office. And I wonder in that, as, as I read the, the various articles of the Constitution, the North Dakota Constitution, and I feel and understand how unique North Dakota is, um, I just wonder if I were in office, if my thinking would change on that would I cross a line in that regard in my thinking and how would that affect or impact my objective self-interest? Um, I just, it, it's really, it, you know, really, really want to have some more discussions about this. And that's what this podcast is really going to be about. One of the other things that Senator Hogue had said in his uh, debate in the Senate is that the, the code was cracked in North Dakota and a couple of other states. And so I, I, I um, that, that, that to me just jumped out, very telling. Um, the code is cracked. So he, he's, he's maybe referring, I mean, I don't want to, put words into his mouth, but I wonder how it's cracked. Um, North Dakota does lead the nation, does lead the republic in the most uh, initiated measures. Uh, it, I think 70, 78, 78, uh, I believe it was, was my was the count. I have to go back and check that. Um, and the only other state that was close is Oregon, who had, was similar. So Oregon must be one of those other states with cracked code. I, I find it interesting, um, you know, our, our Constitution is set up, Article 3 comes before Article 4, of course, and Article 3 is the power reserved to the people, and Article 4 is the legislative branch. So it is the people, the Constitution, the legislature. And um, Senator Mathern pointed out that... Um, this is the legislature attempting to, the difference is, is this is the legislature attempting to inject itself into the process or re-inject itself if we, if we look at 
Um, yeah, the founders did, but people, you know, I don't know what was causing people at the time to rethink the powers of the legislation and what was ha the legislature and what was happening at that time exactly. That'll take a little more deep dive. Um, I, I, I'm sure it had to do with you know that objective self-interest and and our our humanness there uh, and to cross those lines of abuse of power, right? Because that that's really what it is in a check and balance. And also Senator Oban, you know, pointed out that there, that there is a check already on the process, that if the legislature has the will to, they can both vote on, you know, a, a, an initiative that was approved by the voters to send it back to the ballot. So they just don't use it. And she points that out. So that was one of the things that I, you know, I found really interesting in that debate. Very interesting. So it is for sure on the 2020 ballot, the legislative uh, referred amendment to reenact Section 9 of Article 3 of the Constitution of the North Dakota, uh, Constitution of North Dakota will be on the ballot. Another um, amendment uh, referred by the legislature that will be has to do with uh, higher ed, the higher education board, the number of individuals serving on that board, and also the terms. Um, and it's going to be a really interesting year. Uh, there are two um, other initiatives that are out there. Um, and these are in the process of, according to the Secretary of State, North Dakota Secretary of State Office, these are in the process of gathering signatures. Now, one of those is a statutory initiative measure that will actually amend um, some North Dakota Century Code. Um, so statutory meaning the law, the Century Code. It will amend that in regard to the criminalization of marijuana. Um, so that, that, that's one. The other one, though, that speaks to the power of the people from a direct democracy perspective is, um, and I'll just kind of read it here, um, we, the undersigned, being qualified electorates, request the following initiative, initiated law be placed on the ballot as provided by law. And then, of course, there are the sponsors, and there are like 25, I, I believe you have to have 25, yep, and there's a, a committee chair for, for that, uh, for this, and... So specifically, this would um, this could be seen as being in direct opposition to the legislative referred amendment to the Constitution. But that's very interesting. And there is already a fix in Section 8 of Article 3, uh, if that were the case. Um, and this initiated measure um, was put forth to the Secretary of State in May, it looks like, uh, was really a, a busy, <laughs> been a busy 2019 for preparing for 2020, right? Um, glad to, you know, I, I was in there kind of testing the waters and seeing how things go and, and uh, getting getting a grip. But there have been some citizens that have been hard at work, uh, obviously. Um, so the they're in the process. Then they'll have to gather 20, 26,904 signatures uh, to bring it forth to the ballot. So that, that's a big process. It's not necessarily easy to convince that, that many people. I think, though, you know, I might, even if I 
didn't agree with the petition, you know, all of the language in the petition, um, I would be inclined, I think, to still sign that petition just to ensure that it gets on the ballot because then the people will have opportunities. So I'm still engaging that process. And that that is part of this this process. This initiated measure would add a new section to Article 3 and amend Section 16 of Article 4 of the North Dakota Constitution. The new section would provide that the Supreme Court would have original jurisdiction over any state law that impacts impacts the Article 3 powers reserved to the people, which relate to the initiative, referendum, and recall process. The amended section would prohibit the Legislative Assembly from submitting a constitutional amendment to the voters that would alter the power granted to the people under Article 3 or would constitute a resubmission of a constitutional amendment that was previously approved by the people, by the voters within the last seven years. So actually then um, if we think about what Senator Oban said, right now there's that checks and balance. They could bring forth, the, the legislature could right away in the next legislative session um, bring it back to the voters for a test. But here it's going to be seven years. Um, so that, that, that's kind of a good thing, I, I think. Um, but we'll have some more dialogue on that. That's part of this, the reason that we're going to be um, launching this pilot, that, that we're launching this North Dakota democracy community. And I, when I say we, our, uh, I, I'm not talking about, please don't misunderstand, I'm not talking about any out-of-state, uh, you know, kind of deal here. This is uh, Richard Jensen, um, single, uh, you know, dog and pony show here. Um, I don't have a, a, a group of producers and, and, and all of that, so I'm just learning as I go. And um, now that I've found studio space at Radio Free Fargo, um, just to kind of record and, and be able to stretch out a little bit with my notes and everything, I'm really thankful to them uh, for the space. Uh, one of the things that I'll probably do and put on my task list uh, really uh, for the near future is to reach out to the chair of this committee for this initiative find out where they are in the ballot or the, the signature collecting process and how that's going. Again, you know, um, I, I don't know, you know, what what references is to people out of state or, or that kind of thing are the dangers. Um, these are all people from North Dakota. Some of the names even look a little familiar. Um, and working on Measure 1. I think that um, when we talk about the, the purpose and, and the, the impact hopes um, for the North Dakota democracy community, it's to create a broad-based conversation um, with the people of North Dakota, uh, the citizenry. Um, also, you know, to better understand the processes and the reason that folks bring forth initiatives. So it'll be really, really great to, to, to talk to some people and, and uh, loop them into the conversation. But the, the biggest, the biggest purpose is if you are someone who has not voted ever in your life, I have neighbors, I love them, Ruby, 
You know, she's incredible. She's 58. She's never voted. And we're having these conversations. Um, or if you're someone who has, you know, stepped back and, and, and has disengaged um, the processes for, for whatever reason, um, you know, come back. Your vote matters. It's so critical that we vote, vote, vote. I cannot, I have it written on the board, <laughs> one of my notes on the wall, vote, vote, vote. If you do nothing else, if you're a first time, whatever your fear is, that, you know, our, our overall constitutional privilege and responsibility is to vote. Um, and in that, I would encourage all of us to become media literate, um, uh, you know, don't, don't rely on one source of media. Um, and I guess, to, <laughs> not to be a cliche, this ain't fake news. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I don't know what all to say to the rest of that. Um, but but this is not fake news and there's no, no you know, driving force out, outside of this. Except, of course, faith, um, hope, uh, with action equals faith, I guess, um, in my mind. And, and I have faith in the people of North Dakota to want to continue to maintain that check and, ba- that, that check and balance and, and our initiative um, powers. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, again, back to that question of, you know, I wonder if my thinking would change or I wonder if people's thinking changed on this before or after they were legislators. Um, some of them have been in the legisla- legislation or the legislature for a very long time in North Dakota. And I want to, part of me wants to say that anybody who voted for um, SCR 4001 should be voted out of office, but that's kind of a, I guess it's kind of an outlaw statement, but um, I just think that the voice of the people needs to be the major base to be able to respond to either the action or inaction of the legislature. I'm going to tell you a little story quick. So it was, it was, it was April 28th of 2019 um, after uh, actually after I came back from some mission work, um, and I, as I'm sitting here before the new year, uh, in the snowstorm in Fargo, and it comes back to me, this conversation I was having with a, a, a guy, a gentleman who was here visiting his mom, and he's from California now, but he, he grew up in North Dakota, and we were in Grand Forks, and we happened to be connected by a friend of mine to talk about um, what we actually came together to talk about was assisted living in North Dakota and home and community-based services and what that looked like um, and, and what changes were happening there um, in regard to his mother and sharing housing and that kind of thing. But um, this man, uh, we, had, we had something in common, recovery, that, that was very interesting um, but this, this man is a lawyer, and I'm not going to divulge his name because that's not fair. I didn't talk to him about that, but the conversation was very poignant. We, we had a conversation for about an hour, an hour and a half, um, on many, many topics. He, he's a lawyer, and he said at one time in, North, in California that 
he was a Democrat, but then he he became a Republican because he just thought that the Democrat Party in California was becoming very extremist. And I I I kind of chuckled at that. I guess I don't know. I I, I see extremes from both of those major parties, but, but we'll leave that for another another topic. Um, and and he but but he said. Um, and, and this man is a prosecuting was a prosecuting attorney and now is a defense attorney uh, in in the state of California. Uh, went went to law school there. Um, he he actually he worked. We didn't go into much detail there, but he actually I'm not sure of what capacity, but he actually was on one of the teams, either the defense team or the prosecuting team for the O.J. Simpson um, trial. That was that was interesting. We didn't really go down that road too much. We really we stayed focused on North Dakota, surprisingly. He follows North Dakota. And he said to me something that just jumped out, and, and, and I'm reminded of it now, that, uh, you know, as, as Senator Hogue was talking about, you know, from, you know, Los Angeles, that these legislatures, you know, from Washington, D.C. or California, that kind of thing. And he said that there is a, a huge movement from both the East and the West Coast to drain the resources of North Dakota as quickly and as cheaply as possible. And if the people of North Dakota can't wake up to that, then they're just going to have to, you know, whatever the unintentioned, whatever the consequences are of that. And I, you know, it sounded so conspiracy theory kind of at the beginning, but, um, but then, you know, as I've looked back, um, as I kind of, you know, the rumors that I've heard or the things that I've heard, um, and as I examine, you know, kind of the, the arguments, um, you know, and who's lobbying here in North Dakota and what that looks like, um, and getting to know more and engaging the system more, um, yeah, there, there might be some truth in that. Um, I've, there's, a, there's a legislative initiative century code so a statute initiative i'd like to bring forth and we'll save that for another um another topic in regard to the rollback of the extraction tax but but we'll save that for another podcast measure one now we want to take a look at um you know through the north dakota democracy community in our first episodes uh, how you know, what the election looked like what the creation looked like in, in legislator and through the legislative process I thought that I wouldn't last for long my good friend Tracy Wilkie um, here in, in studio and we're having a conversation about when we first met and uh, just laughing and talking and, and carrying on a little bit. Um, Tracy, do you remember, well, let's tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I was born here in Fargo and I'm an enrolled member of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa where I was raised and um, spent the last 24 years in Portland, Oregon. Okay. 
and you returned home. It was a year ago, two days ago. It's been a year and two days. Yeah, it feels good to be back. I never thought I'd be back in North Dakota for a year and two days. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad but you're back. it was back. good, and I'm glad yeah. you brought me to the Red River today. And Yeah, we had a great time at the yes, river. We'll yes. put some of those sounds, maybe mix them I in. I love that. Uh, yeah, we will the water sounds. Yeah, it's it was nice to be down. Since I've heard of waterfalls. Down well, a year and... Really? It's been yeah. a year since yeah. waterfalls. More waterfalls in, in Oregon, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, yes. <clears throat> well, I welcome you to the North Dakota Democracy <clears throat> Community new podcast. Um, I, I asked Tracy to be um, to be my guest here as we, number one, we're launching this uh, as um, <laughs> the, the North Dakota Constitution is 130 years old this year. Uh, yeah, it was signed on October 1st, ratified on October 1st by the people um, in 1889. So 130 years. Um, and we're, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, Tracy, do you remember when you and I first met? You came home back in December. Do you remember the night that you and I first met? Yes, yes. It the was date? What date was it? Oh, it was. I know the, the date. Seventh of January. Of January, right? It was yes, the seventh of January. Yes, it was at the Atomic Coffee, Coffee right? Yes, right. yes. And what was the event? It was a celebration of the. Measure one. Yep, measure yes, one passing. Measure one right, passing, right. and I wasn't sure what exactly measure one was. I had read a little bit about it. It had consumed my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was my first citizen-led initiative that I ever I was ever part of, and it was necessary and interesting. Yeah, I it remember seeing amazing. you there. I remember seeing you there, and I I remember. Um, I'm like, oh, there's an indigenous woman here. I haven't <laughs> seen her here before. And what was kind of amazing about that that meeting, if I if I just can, or about that that celebration, is even when Ellen and Dina had come in the room, um, we were surprised at the number of people that were there, right. because the Atomic Coffee had kind of been a meeting and organizing place for Measure One, oh. um, and and um, you know communication and and just debates. I mean, I remember one meeting. Uh, there, you know, um, Shannon, uh, Representative Shannon Rose Jones was there. Um, you know, people were talking about Measure One, or at, at, before it was Measure One, it was the Anti-Corruption Act mm -hmm. or Anti-Corruption uh, Amendment, right? Um, <clears throat> and so we were we were really surprised at the number of people that came to celebrate because there weren't always that many people at the meeting, <laughs> kind oh, of pushing okay. the fight, right? And, and some of the events, it, it seemed like. You know, we would never get there, but I, I remember, you know, thinking during the campaign that if I just keep envisioning that it's already happened, it will happen because it's it's the right thing. It's what North Dakota right. needs, right? It's right. what North Dakota needs, right? <clears throat> so that's what I really remember ab about that meeting, and, and then and then you and I became really good friends, didn't we? Yes. I yes. stalked you. I'm no. glad. I know. I remember. <laughs> I didn't you stalk her. I'm just kidding, like, audience. No. I, I'm I mean, glad we, we left it open to have coffee. Stocky, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And you came up to the hospital where yeah. I was. Your mom, we were there yes. with your mom. And yes, yes. That we one morning we sat for about, yeah, we yes. sat when the sun was coming up like and had coffee and mm -hmm. shared facing. We were facing the east and yes, east window. Yes, yep. yes. Yes. And watching the sun come up. Yeah, it was a great time. And, and, you know, we've also had the opportunity to travel to the, both of us for the first time this year, traveled to testify, right? Yeah. Remember that? Yes. That was in May, right? <laughs> I always joke about leaving the North Dakota State Capitol feeling like my hair was blown back. Like, yeah, and actually, I, I like, misspoke. That was, yeah, blown back yes. because of a what? Why? 
just because the feeling of this is where I need to be and okay. I'm meeting all the right people and so we went there actually on February 5th we went to testify and we were both heading out there for kind of different different hearings right um, you were heading out to testify with another uh, indigenous sister uh, for the missing and murdered indigenous women's yes um, yeah well legislation I was going there for a couple different things, but I found out that when you were testifying, there was an, something, there was another one that... Yeah, and I was going out for the Ethics women. Commission, right? Yes, I wanted yes, to testify yes. in regard to and the I Ethics Commission. I wanted to go see what it looked out, like. Yes, everything yeah. that was going on. I had been told for years or asked for years uh, if I had ever lobbied. Like, even when I lived in Oregon, like, people would always ask me, and I'd say, no way, like, that's just totally not me, I'd never, no, I'd never do anything like that. So, like, when I went up there, and just seeing everything that was happening, and actually lobbying, it was amazing. Testify. It was, I didn't anticipate that I would testify, um, you know, because I didn't think that I, I, you know, needed to put my voice there, and, and you know, I... I for the missing and murdered indigenous women's um, uh, legislation, but I'm glad that I had that that honor to be able to testify. And then I did go to the, uh, I did also um, attend the uh, committee, um, <clears throat> the the Senate hearing committee or the yes. the, the ethics commission as they were calling it, mm -hmm. committee hearing, and um, that was very engaging for me. Um, so this was after you know the election, after Measure One became um, a part of the Constitution, Article 14 of the Constitution. Yes. And they needed to be, you know, built out now. And I wanted to see what that looked like. And um, so I, I want to tell you the story about the election, like the actual campaign, rather, but up, yes. the, up to the election day. But we'll save that for another, another, okay, another okay. podcast. Because we'll, we'll the North that. Dakota voters did. You did, did this. right, right. We, yes. we, that, that was, that was passed. Um, so then this, this hearing was kind of interesting. And this podcast is actually comes out of that experience of testifying because um, Senator uh, Hogue, uh, District 38, David Hogue, mm -hmm. you know, had asked me, what was the one thing that was really important to you, to me, um, in regard to uh, the Ethics Commission and, and, and Article, um, Article 14 to the Constitution, because the people had put it in place. Um, and I said that it remains constitutionally sound. And boy, you know, I didn't even realize how little and how much I really knew about the Constitution at that point. Our Constitution and, right. and the U.S. Constitution is, you know, even though I had some ideas, I still, it's been an interesting growth year for me. So we want to have that talk about what the campaign looked like. Um, in episode three, if people listen, um, you will have opportunity to hear uh, what is a roundtable discussion that took place on June 14th in Bismarck. And that took place with some, a handful of the individuals that really sparked the movement. Um, and, 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 you know, so um, just having a conversation with them and, you know, like I said, just a handful of the people of what it looked like, what was the motivation for this People's Led Initiative. You know, I learned about what is a People's Led Initiative and how really important the voice and the power of the voice of people in North Dakota is oh, yeah. and and how it's even contentious to today and there are those right. that want to roll it back mm -hmm. right and um, 
and I, I really became interested in measure one, mostly in, in understanding the imbalance and the propensity for um, corruption, for, 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 you know, to fall prey to our objectivity, our objective self-interest, right. right? To how, how we can, you know, fall, our, any of us as humans can cross those lines of abuse, right? right? right. And for me, measure one um, and the anti-corruption, um, you know, amendment was really an abuse prevention plan. Right. That's what it was was to me. Right? right. That's what it was to me. So, do you remember when we were coming back from the testifying on February fifth? It was storming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was storming. It was, I oh, was so. Yes. Yes. And I remember. I was thankful Angel was able to drive. Right. Yes, she was able yes, to drive. That was great. Yes. And she did an awesome. Job. She did an awesome it job. It wasn't until the next day, or she said how scared she was. Like, yeah. I would have never known. Yeah. Like as we were listening to the I'm so glad. singers. I am yeah, absolutely in the drums. I never noticed at all that she was the slightest bit even nervous she she did a good job she did and i, I hope she's doing well today um so the 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 majority of north dakota so just so that listeners fully understand um the the movement began with the anti-corruption um that process a citizen-led initiative in the state um has to be secured by so many signatures and then that process you have to go goes to the secretary of state and then it gets a number we were so hoping it would be measure one it was measure one um 53.63 percent of north dakotans uh, north dakota voters voted yes on measure one um pertaining to the transparency uh, of funding conflicts of interest and the establishment of the ethics commission the majority of voters in 66 percent of north dakota legislative districts voted yes so I, and um, I thought I thought um, I, I guess you know the the people that brought forth and, and kind of sparked the um, sparked the the movement probably understood and, and saw things you know being close to the legislature that I wasn't seeing and one of the things that I thought was really interesting um, in the beginning was that there was no bashing of individuals. Um, you know, the, the groups, you know, these North Dakotans, these North Dakotans, um, like, you know, the, the badass grandmas, uh, yes. Dina and Ellen, you know, were really, in their fierce love, were so mm -hmm. gracious in, in not, you know, like, picking up, making it partisan, number one, making sure that right. they remain partisan. And, and that's one thing I, I don't want to see for the North Dakota democracy community. Uh, this podcast, I don't want it to see it become partisan. Uh, right. but, but we need to understand that there is a supermajority in this state. There is an imbalance of power yes. in this state. And Major I've been, yeah, and I've been reminded in many ways, right? right? But but we'll start right there um, that I find kind of interesting. Um, but let's, let's go back all the way to the beginning of the Constitution, of the North Dakota Constitution. And, and we will wish, wish the Constitution happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, North Dakota! Is it 1889? On October 1st, a state was born. <clears throat> and how did that come about? And I'm going to read something for us, and then we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit about it. Uh, um, so, <clears throat> and I don't read the best out loud, so you have to forgive me. I I, I was a slow, late bloomer when it came to reading. I'm me so too. thankful for Mr. Eric Smolin, my teacher in like fourth grade, who who made sure I could learn to read. 
um, hooked me up with a, a student teacher, you know, whoever it was. And phonics worked for me. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, you remember when you first started learning to read? Yes, yes, I struggled and I, I went to speech, I talked with the lisp, and I remember going to speech class and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, I, reading was a struggle for me, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I'm thankful I had good teachers who yeah. showed me the way. Yeah, I had some pretty good teachers too, you know, because in my childhood there was a lot of ACE, adverse childhood events, mm -hmm. at a very young age. Probably, I, I know for yourself too. We've shared some yes. of those stories, and we, we don't need to share those here. Of course, right. it's pretty <laughs> private. But, but yeah, even you know, you get a little left, get a little left behind when that stuff happens, right? Right. right. So, um, the Enabling Act of February twenty second, eighteen eighty nine, authorized North Dakota statehood, and provided for a state constitutional convention, consisting of seven <clears throat> seventy five delegates delegates to be selected from twenty five districts in the state. The delegates were elected on May 14, 1889, and the Constitutional Convention opened in Bismarck on July 4, 1889. The president of the Constitutional Convention was Fred Fancher, the GOP caucus nominee. The delegates of the Constitutional Convention consisted primarily of farmers and lawyers, with all but six from districts in the eastern half of the state. Twenty-three of the delegates were foreign-born, None were native to the Dakota Territory. Politically, 51 Republicans dominated, uh, dom dominated the convention, outnumbering 19 Democrats, two prohibitionists, two populists, and one independent. That makes me think of a um, conversation I had with Senator Judy Lee. Uh, I think it was about April. We had a little one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. I appreciated her time. And um, I didn't even mention Measure One, wasn't on my list. I, I wanted to talk specifically about uh, her, her perception of the North Dakota Human Rights Coalition mm -hmm. and also about um, our home and community-based services or the lack thereof of emphasis on that. You know, there's been more emphasis put on, you know, assisted living in North Dakota mm -hmm. and, you know, institutional. Anyways, so, but she had brought up Measure One and um, I, I, I find that kind of interesting when I read this and look at the, the, the power imbalance here, party kind of imbalance here. And my first thought was, you know, she, she didn't, she wasn't, uh, she was a, she was an opponent of measure one, number one, she didn't back it. Right. Oh. Um, but, but she had said the comment she made is that the framers were not a trusting people. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, so, but, but, but rightfully so. No, the framers of the Constitution, right? Oh, they weren't, oh, a, they, weren't a, they weren't a trusting people. And maybe rightfully Thank you for so. Maybe right, you were about no, no, and maybe rightfully so. I think the framers recognized, you know, the difficulty for us to maintain that objective self interest. Right. right? So, what are your first thoughts about that, uh, when, about these first couple of paragraphs? Well, I'd have to agree with her that the framers probably didn't have a clue what the days would be living in right now. Right, and right. I keep thinking throughout you reading, I kept thinking about Ellen and the badass grandma's group and coming forward and to make changes. To the Constitution. And, Keep the people's voice strong. Right, yeah. right, and and that there wasn't any natives there. Yeah, it says that, right? 
None were native to none were native of um, Dakota Territory. So yeah, where no indigenous right. people were at the table. Right. right. And I'm thankful that there's people now at and, the table. Right, right. There's there's been a few men from the Turtle Mountains there. And now Ruth yes. is a place there. Yeah, Ruth, yeah. Our first and you woman. may soon be appointed to the North Dakota City Indigenous Commission or Native American Commission. Mm. You made an application. Hopefully. I got my fingers we'll crossed. see. We'll see. Yeah. I, so the, Im, the imbalance is one thing I, I notice here of power that was kind of interesting. Two prohibitionists, two populists. I, I know what a prohibitionist was. You know, that was temperance, you know, no alcohol. Um, two populists. I'm not sure what the populist party is, and I understand, you know, what the independent party would be. Um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, so continuing on, uh, 23 committees were created. Boy, that was a busy group of 75 people, wasn't it? I'd say. 23 committees were created to draft the Constitution. Um, these included committees on printing, reporting, and publication, accounts and expenses, preamble and bill of rights, Legislative Department, Executive Department, Judicial Judicial Department, Elected Franchise, Education, Public Institutions and Buildings, Public Debt and Public Works, Militia, County and Township Organization, Appointments and Representation, Revenue and Taxation, Municipal Corporations, Corporations other than Municipal, Miscellaneous Subjects, Schedule, school and public lands, temperance, revision and adjustment, and impeachment and removal from office. The committees were required to prepare and submit uh, draft sections of the Constitution to be considered by the convention. Well, that's a lot of committees. I wonder if at that time revision and adjustments would have been the uh, ethics piece or... I get that. And that temperance committee, they must have been lonely with only two prohibitionists. Right. Or those two prohibitionists on the temperance. Because at the same time as this was happening, the state was also required to vote and ratify prohibition of alcohol in the United States. To either ratify it or not ratify it, right? Right. So to either ratify or not ratify it. And at Um, that time, like, natives weren't allowed to vote. No, no. Women weren't even allowed to vote. We'll right. see in a moment. That right. was a that was a big that was a big deal at the convention, right? It goes on to say <clears throat> only a few issues were hotly debated by the convention uh, delegates. Women's suffrage was argued at length. The anti-suffrage forces were only partially successful in their efforts to ensure an all-male electorate. The new constitution allowed women to vote in school elections and hold seats on school boards and allowed voters to decide full suffrage for women at a later date. And, I, and I'd venture to say when they're talking about women here, they're speaking of um, you know, white women, right? Yes. Most likely, yes. right. Um, if, I mean, because if women weren't even at the table, you know, indigenous right. women weren't even at the table, mm-hmm. right? Then, then that, um, that probably was outruling them, but so yeah, didn't what we we were just suffering the 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 women's suffrage movement and the great strengths and strides that that movement has made in the United States, yes, right? This is yes. a this is a key year, I believe, mm-hmm, for for mm-hmm. for that movement, right? Man, see Saturday. how long a struggle's got to go on sometimes. Right, wow. right. I think that was Saturday or was it Sunday? <clears throat> there was a celebration here, right, in in the Fargo Moorhead area. Yes. 
So I'm glad that I'm glad that the that the women and the, the supporters rally around that. That's incredible, and, and remember and remind. I think it's important to remind, um, you know, the younger women of today, who will be the leaders of tomorrow. You know, this hasn't come without a cost and without a struggle. This, right, this, right. So it's important to vote, and important that, you know, that we keep the vote going. Lots you know, that all people are to included be in done that. Yet. Yes. Right. <clears throat> Other issues. <clears throat> Uh, other uh, issues, including a unicameral legislature, railroad tax, taxation, prohibition, and, and location of public institutions occupied the delegates. Controversy surrounding the location of public institutions was intense. Eventually, forces favored designation of the locations of public institutions in the state constitution succeeded over delegates from the northeastern uh, counties who supported legislation, uh, legislative locations on public institutions. Oh, so in other words, I think what they're saying there is that um, it would be a legislative decision and not necessarily a constitutional decision that they would bring it about another way. The Constitution, uh, the Constitution drafted by the convention uh, was lengthy and reflected reform ideas shared by many of the delegates. The Constitution uh, the Constitution effectively limited the power of state government and state officials and attempted to eliminate the power and influence of corporations and other interests, uh, quote-unquote, on the state government. Um, the Constitution also provided uh, for the location of 13 state colleges and institutions and included a prohibition article uh, that, was that was required to be ratified separately. That's right, I, I got that from the Constitution. Voters in the state ratified the Constitution overwhelmingly on October 1, 1889 by a vote of 27,441 to 8,107 and narrowly approved the Prohibition Article by a vote of 18,552 to 17,393. So they, they ratified not no alcohol, right? That's interesting. They were, they were more split on that. There sure was more is. of a split on that, interesting, <laughs> than the Constitution. So this is compliments. Um, I want to give credit, of course, where credit is due. This is David P. Gray, Guide to the North Dakota State Archives, 1985. And it's the North Dakota Historical Society where I found this information, which is just, they do wonderful work. And I, I really, I find that just so much fun to go back to and, and keep reading. Um, so what are some of your other thoughts about that? That, that that our first constitutional convention in the, so I'm sure that then that well, means that have changed with the prohibition because there's alcohol. There's alcohol now. Yeah, yeah. All over. Yeah, and it's 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 abundant. Known. Now we're moving into that with weed too, right? Or they will move to that throughout the you know, United States. That'll be interesting to see how that that moves. Um, that's kind of a movement I just kind of stayed away from because I thought that's going to take care of itself, and I used to think that human and civil rights and, you know, people's voice and their vote and, um, you know, that our rights of, of liberty, you know, and free association and, you know, healthy free speech, I guess, um, or free speech, um, you know, I always thought that that was kind of inevitable, you know, even when it came to like LGBTQ plus rights and the rights of, you know, individual uh, people of color, black, black people, indigenous people. You know that that would just come along, and you know the hard thing that for me to reconcile myself with in this day is that 
it's not just coming long. It's like, you know, there are people that firmly believe that you shouldn't be able to vote, you know, and want to inhibit, you, you know, your vote as a woman and as an indigenous individual, right? Um, that for myself, that for myself, there, there are people that don't want me to have protection in work and housing, you know, that I don't think that I, I deserve, you know, that, 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 that classification of being right. protected, right? Listen, up, being up at the <clears throat> Capitol and listening to testimony on how people could just flat out discriminate against tra the transgender community was right. appalling. And, par and, and actually trying to split communities like the LGBTQ plus community. Right, right. right. So Article 14 made it into the Constitution. And what Article 14 essentially does is um, it transparency provides for greater level of transparency. Um, it also limits lobbyists and conflict of interest, so like money. And um, North Dakota Ethics Commission, establishing the North Dakota Ethics Commission, which we know is now established. There are five members, four white men, one indigenous woman, which that is a very imbalanced commission, in my opinion. I wrote an article to the, to the forum, and it was published on that. Sure. Certainly there had to be sure. one additional female that, that they could have agreed on, that, that everyone could have agreed on to serve. Because I worry about then that woman, it, you know, regardless of, of her ethnicity, being bullied, right? And not being heard and not, you know... And just like, wow. But I don't, I don't want to try to project on what that experience will be like. I hope the commission does well. Um, and we'll, we'll maybe follow that a little, bit, a little bit more into the future. But back to testifying on that day, on February 5th, you, you said that you know, your experience at the Capitol, and specifically in regard to Measure 1 and the, um, the, the conversations that were happening. And before I could testify, there were a number of other individuals, like lobbyists from the Catholic um, conference. There was a lobbyist from, um, there were lots of lobbyists in the room. There was a lobbyist from North Dakotans for, I think it's or Sound Government, North Dakotans for Sound Government, uh, which is a 501c3. I lo later found out some things about, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, but there was this obsession about the true source of funds, right? The true source of funds. And, you know, and I've, I've I didn't realize it even during Measure One, you know, how, what the kind of deal is with that. And because money is pushed through these parties, you know, into the state, not into individuals' campaigns, but into the party, the Republican Party, or uh, more so Republican uh, than, than the Democrat side. More, there's more money there, I'm finding out. And um, it's kind of pushed through the campaign. Uh, and through organizations. So it's, it was easy to kind of hide that money, which I have a hard time with because if you're going to give money to something, why can't you just like say, I'm going to give money to this because I believe in it. You know, that, that to me is kind of the weird thing I kept thinking about money and that, you know, what makes money so icky is the, the, the lack of, you know, the fear, the shame, and the secrecy. The fear and the shame and the secrecy around money, right? I think one of the things that really got me going was um, hearing the stories of uh, the rollback of the extraction tax in 2015 by the legislative mm -hmm. session in 2015 and kind of how that was done. 
um, because that really gave full breath, I guess, to the imbalance of, uh, you know, power and, and particularly the power of oil and petroleum money here in North Dakota. Um, but in regard to the Constitution, you know, the thing that I think is so important is that the people continue to have a voice of checks and balances. Like in the Constitution, there are these um, checks and balances, but the people need to be the ultimate check and balance, you know, at the ballot box and also, you know, without regard to money. Money plays too big of an influence in our... In our I totally agree. I, and having everybody have the opportunity to vote because the native vote had been suppressed. Yeah, there, there was attempts to, yes. to, to suppress that yes. vote. And the, the legislator that introduced that, I <laughs> Ruth actually kicked him out of office, right? Ruth Buffalo. So that was kind of a... It was kind of a nice thing to see there, and a nice retribution, I guess, if that's what you call it. I, I, I um, just the spirit of justice moving in a very nice way. Uh, right, because there's a lot of like misunderstanding with the levels to poverty. Yeah, yeah, and and also, you know, there, there, there are these movements, and, and we'll talk about voter suppression and the need for that. But there are there are many movements that are happening and wheels that are going to suppress the vote in, in the United States. I started reading this fascinating book called How to Read the Constitution and Why. Um, Kim Welly, W-E-H-L-E, is a professor of law and legal uh, expert. Um, and, and I picked up this book and, and I just started reading it not too long ago. And I thought it was really interesting here. She, it says, the people of the United States must carefully identify emerging holes and plug them as quickly as and effectively as possible. The task is easier than it sounds. Why? Because the most important thing to understand about answering questions under the Constitution is that it all depends. It depends upon on what the Constitution says, to be sure, but more important, it depends on whether there are systems, there are systematic consequences for, violate, for violating its rules, both expressed and, and implied ones. And for me, getting behind Measure 1, that's what it was really about. I saw, we're the framers of today, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the framers of today. And, and the individuals that were leading this you know, have been around North Dakota for a long time. They've been really you know, dedicated to our state. Um, and they saw a whole that needed to be plugged, right, in, in the North Dakota Constitution. Um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, most every other state has an ethics commission and we were one of the states that didn't is kind of a, you know, was an indicator in itself, right? <laughs> you think? Is that what right. you said? <laughs> I said, yikes. Yikes, yeah. Um, so it was really about filling one of those holes, filling, you know, those holes and, and putting in place those systematic um, those, those systematic consequences and mechanisms for, you know, investigation and understanding so that people, you know, understand, you know, if they, if they think, you know, because even for myself, I think if I were to run for office today, I'd be a much better public servant and less apt to fall prey to the glamour and glitz of it all and, and to be led into like a, a party line, you know, kind of thing. Um, and be compliant, you know, based on party ideology rather than what's best for the people and, and, and our communities um, than I would have when I was 21 or 22. I think I would have been easily seduced. 
you know, by 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 money and corruption. So I, I, I personally I, never wanted anything to do with it. With what's that? With politics. Politics. No. But now you've thought about running for office. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because. And we'll, and we, and we, you know what? A million and one reasons. Yeah, and we'll talk about. I know both of us have considered that on our journey as we've shared our story now and what that might look like coming into the next election cycle, or who do we get behind? Um, right. Yeah. Um, and there are there are some movements that are still happening. Like there was a resolution three zero zero seven that was put to uh, put out there that kind of would bring the the constitution back, the North Dakota constitution back to the legislature. Um, being involved in, you know, the bringing initiatives mm -hmm. to the people, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then uh, the people of North Dakota later corrected that uh, in 1918 mm -hmm. and took the legislator out of that. No, we are going to have, remain built into the Constitution, the ability for the people to bring forth uh, a citizen-led initiative. And that's what makes us legendary in some ways and unique, and we really want to keep that in our Constitution, I think, in North Dakota. I think that way, at least. I don't know about... And that's what we'll find out through this podcast. We'll be talking to people and, and trying to understand that and what people's thinking are and how do we bring everyone to the table. And, and so this, this episode's the introduction, right? The next episode, episode one, took place uh, actually on um, April, uh, April 6th or April 3rd. It was actually a live podcast uh, that took place at the public library it was the Jennifer Lawrence uh, uh, video, Unrig the yes, System, um, uh, that we really, we really focused on seeing that video. And, a, and a, there was an audience of folks, and we had a conversation. So that's actually episode one of the North Dakota Democracy Community. The, the, and this is episode two, the introduction, which I'm thankful that you're here with me. Thank you for having yeah, me, Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I hope that you'll keep joining me so we can um, talk more and learn together. And then uh, I can tell you more about my, my journey through Measure One, through the actual campaign, and that will be our next episode, episode four. And Great. episode three, then, is that roundtable discussion with folks from North Dakota's Republic Integrity, the Badass Grandmas, and that handful of people, and what was their motivation, and, and what, <clears throat> what did they see happening that really sparked the movement? And, you know, I want to address this kind of out-of-state stuff real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things during the during the campaign, there was such a big focus on, oh, there's all this outside, you know, this is an outside deal. This is being written by people from outside of the, the state and, um, you know, that kind of thing. Well, as a republic, states borrow from each other. And, you know, I really didn't understand to what level and then understanding, you know, like groups like ALEC and associations like that and other associations that are built on party lines to push right. agendas and to push... Um, you know, certain ideology mm -hmm. and policy, and it's really huge, right? And some days it's a hard to reconcile yourself with all of it, right? right. It really is. Um, that's why I think during the Measure One, during the, uh, the campaign, I, I became like exhausted. And, and when it was all done, I was just so grateful that the people had saw fit to move forward and vote yes. Um, because then we could say the people have spoken. Yes. Because if it had failed, the opposition to the measure would certainly have said the same, wouldn't they? The people have spoken. Right. right. 
So we'll take a look further um, here on the doc democracy, uh, North Dakota democracy community. Um, look forward to understanding the uh, campaign, what that looked like. Talk to a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. Maybe venture out to some other counties. You and I can take a road trip. Talk to some folks and have them recall what that Let's looked like. Let's do it. I'm enjoying learning. Yeah. And um, move into um, some future conversations about uh, the voter suppression and the lobby groups that are in North Dakota and how they uh, impact um, our, our governance. And really look at how we can maintain the citizen checks and balance. Um, it's been a, a, a the, 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 then also we want to take a look at um, the actual build out in the last, the 66th legislative session of what happened, you know, with the, the, the Ethics Commission, how it came about, and maybe some, uh, how that formed. And, and maybe we'll be the uh, watchdog group that continues to follow the Ethics Commission as it develops. Yeah, making sure that it, you know, stays in the best interest of the people. What's that? Exactly, because there's a lot of new leaders coming. A lot of new leaders coming, right. And we are the framers of today, and we want to build on what's been done, but we also need to imagine that, I think, or understand that we are seeing things over the last 130 years. So what was your family probably doing 130 years ago? Surviving on the reservation. Most yeah. of my family Being still lives on the reservation. Being confined and put on the reservation, right? Exactly. Right, right. And, and that was, you know, pre-boarding school, right? The boarding schools. About coming about that time, schools, right? Yeah. Yes. And my Surviving, grandfather. We hear a lot of traumatic stories. Yeah, a lot of war and a lot of um, eradic you know, eradication of your people. Right, right. right. And disease are concentration camps. Yeah, essentially. Yep. And the and the treaties haven't been fully recognized. Nope. So there's lots to talk about. Um, my my grandfather at that time in eighteen he came in eighteen eighty seven to the Red River Valley. My great grandfather and he was basically coming here in hopes of being a farmer, and he was receiving land, you know, that was stolen from the indigenous people here. And um, he had to farm it for so long and that kind of thing. So it's kind of interesting how fate has brought us together, two very different people in very different ways. Yes. But I'm very, I'm grateful for our friendship. And um, when you do run for office, I'm behind you 100%. <laughs> You've been listening to the North Dakota Democracy Community. Um, this is a Alpha Steed production, uh, editing collaboration with Chamber 6 Media. Um, otherwise, you know, it's a pretty small community right now, and we only look for it to grow. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll listen again in the future. Thank you for listening to the North Dakota Democracy Community. I can be reached at richard at nddemocracycommunity.us. Have a great day. Keep shining. Today is December, Saturday, December 7th, yep, yep, 7th, 2019, at the dam at the Red River, just north of the Veterans Bridge.